This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Morning, everyone. If you got your Bible with you, you can go ahead and grab that and get it out. We're going to be in the book of Acts in chapter 2 this morning. Um, as you turn, I'm thankful today to have Brittany's parents are here visiting with us. Uh, they're here for the baby shower for um, our sweet Cadence, who's soon to be born. There's a baby shower this afternoon. I want to thank all the ladies in the church that have Put the time in to put that together for my for my sweet bride, and very very grateful for that. But uh, we're expecting a new child anytime in the next probably three weeks or so. So we're very excited, and uh, our house is going to have a little more action, which is good. This is very good. So Acts chapter two, we're going to be in verse forty-two through forty-seven this morning. Pastor Thurman had asked me back in December if I'd be willing to share on this Sunday. Um, my mind wasn't locking in on where to go, and I've been studying through the, the book of Acts, and after about a week or a week and a half of going through that in my personal devotion time, I came across this text here in Acts 2 um, that really is focused, you see here today's title, around gospel community, um, how we are to be devoted, what we're to be devoted to as a community, um, how we're to engage with each, each other, but then also the, the beauty that when we are devoted to the right things, when our community is healthy, it leads to growth. It leads to multiplication, uh, which is what we desire to see. We know that our, um, our focus here is on uh, being disciples who make disciples uh, here in our country, in our neighborhood, and all around the world. And so I really believe that what we dig into this morning is going to be an encouragement. It's going to be challenging to us. I believe if we're obedient to what we see here, it'll be uncomfortable. But you know, sometimes uncomfortable is good. Many times the things that make us uncomfortable are the things that are needed most. And so Acts 2, 42 through 47, you can follow along with me in your copy of God's, God's Word. The fellowship of the believers, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father God, we... We just ask this morning as we come before your throne that you would work within us. Lord, as we study your word, even as the songs that we just sang, the conversations that we've had today, 
I pray, Lord, that you would just, even in this moment, help us to take pause and just ask you, just cry out to you that you would help us to be real. Lord, it says in your word, apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord, I know, myself included, many of us in this room, even this morning perhaps, have been trying to do a lot in our own strength. And perhaps we need to be reminded today, Lord, that you are our strength. Remind us this morning, Lord, of what it is that we are to be devoted to. Help us take seriously our call as a body of believers and to honor and magnify you in a sacrificial manner with our lives. Work in whatever way you may, Lord. If there's hard hearts in the room this morning, I believe you can tear those walls down. I know there are hard hearts this morning. And I know you can tear those walls down. Lord, for some that stepped into the room discouraged today, I pray that you would bring encouragement. For those that are struggling with sin, I pray you would convict of sin and lead to repentance and restoration. Lord, whatever you may have, so be it. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Now, I was thinking back the other day. Many of you know me. I'm a, I'm a big sports guy. I love sports. I tried my hand at sports in, in high school. I played, I played basketball. Um, I didn't play a lot, but I was on the team. And I always tell people I was on really good teams. The guys in front of me, were just, they were just better than I was. Um, but I enjoyed those days. And I was reflecting the past couple weeks back to um, high school basketball tryouts. Now, we had a good program. I mean, we were successful junior year. We went to the state final four. Um, my senior year, we ended up region semifinals. We had good teams. And so when you have good teams, there's an expectation. People want to be a part of that. And we held tryouts. So you'd have guys that would come and want to try out, and we'd usually sometimes have 30, 40 guys out there, and of course you can't keep but 13, 14 guys max. And uh, it never failed. I look back, those first two days of tryouts were never what most people expected. You expected you're trying out for basketball, there's going to be a lot of basketball involved. Working on offense, working on defense, but it never failed. Some of those first couple days of tryouts, we ran, and we ran, and we ran, and we ran some more. And then we'd roll the basketballs out maybe a little bit, but then we ran, and we ran, and we ran. It never failed. You quickly weeded out who really wanted to be there and who didn't. There were guys, some of them maybe had a little bit of talent, but they weren't really committed to the, the hard stuff, and They'd kind of be weeded, weeded out. And they would maybe ask themselves the question, why am I here? This wasn't what I was, where's the basketballs, right? I want to ask you this morning a few questions here as we start that I want you to consider. I want to ask you first this morning to consider your involvement here in this room today. Why, why are you here? Why are you here? Why did you get in your car this morning and drive to First Baptist Church of Suffolk. Now, in a room this size, there's a multitude of you. Some of you are visiting us today, perhaps for the first time. You're like, I'm just here to check things out. As Pastor Thurman said, some of you maybe have been visiting for a while. 
Some of you maybe have been going to this church for years and years and years. Some of you could say, I've been going here for 50 years or more. Some of you are here this morning because mom and dad said, get in the car and you got to be here. Some of you this morning don't even maybe want to be here. You're just here because maybe it's out of routine. Maybe you just felt, this is just what I always do. But I want to ask you why, why you're here. Is your presence here, is it marked by mere routine? Or are there marks of true commitment present? Are you here with a purpose, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Here's the next thing I want you to consider is your relationships. So look at the people around you. Do you know the people around you? Now, some of you would say, well, of course, I know such and such here. And, you know, or I'm, some people you may be like, well, I'm fairly, fairly familiar with most people here. You may look at some people around you and like, I don't really, don't really know them. Maybe I should go introduce myself. Now, I'm not talking, though, about the mere acquaintances or the head nods that we give to each other on a regular basis. Hey, how you doing? Oh, doing great. How's the family? Oh, the family's doing well. I'm not talking about some of that, the casual stuff. Here's what I'm asking. I'm asking, do you know the people around you transparently to any depth or degree? Do you consider the people around you in this room? Do you pray for them, check on them, simply get to know them? Now, here's the thing. There's several of us in this room. Obviously, we can't be super personal with every single... If there's 200 and something people in the room... You're not going to know everybody perfect. I'm not, that's not what we're talking about. But I'm asking, is there just one or two people that you would be like, man, that's a close brother or sister in Christ? Do you have the deeper relationships? Are your relationships here marked by the casual nods? How you doing? Or are your relationships marked by intentional pursuits? Here's the next thing. I want you to consider your service. What in your, what in your life actually in my life, what comes of our presence here? What is, the, what is the purpose of our presence here in this fellowship at First Baptist Church? Is there Christ-centered movement, obedience, obedience and service at play? Are we seeking to be used by God and intentional in his kingdom work? Or could it be that many of us in this room are nothing more than consumers, bound to the chains of comforts and preferences? I would say all of us are guilty of that consumerism thing to some degree. We're a consumeristic society and culture. Is your involvement here marked by mere passive consumerism or faithful service? Consider our movement and growth as, as a church. You know, what is our purpose here in, in our gathering? Obviously, we want to grow. We want to reach people. That's, I think no one would deny that in this, in this building today. We want to see people growing in their walk with the Lord. We want to see the gospel be taken out into the streets, into the nations. But is the kind of growth that we're looking for the kind of growth that sends people out of their seats that you're sitting in and into daily gospel intentionality and movement? Is the movement and growth here marked by settling stagnation or urgent investment? Now, this morning in the text that we're looking at, I think that our study will kind of help clear up some of those questions for us. We're not perfect. None of us are. I think many of us in here would desire to see, I love, we didn't read um, verse 41 where it talks about the end of Peter's sermon at Pentecost because what happened at the end? There was like 
3,000 people were added to their number that day. So you see that and then in verse 41, and then you see in verse 47 there at the end, it talks about people were being added to their number daily who were being saved. So we hear that and we're like, man, growth, that is amazing. I really want to be a part of something like that. But to see the kind of growth that we see in verse 41 and then verse 47, you got to get the stuff that's sandwiched in the middle right. That's the devotion. That's the engagement. When we're devoted to the right things, you look up here, this is going to help us, I think, this morning, help clarify where our devotion should be found. This is going to help depict the depth of our community and what it should be marked by. It's going to show the healthy kingdom growth that will ultimately result. Now, I think this morning, as, as we look here, I think something important for us to understand or perhaps realize is the fact that as we transition into these verses, as we transition into what it talks about here with this fellowship, is are we really hungry for these things? Are we hungry for God to work within our life? Are we here in this room today functioning as a gospel-centered community or a me-centered crowd? So let's start here this morning by going to our first point for today, which will be about our hunger for the Word of God. Our hunger for the Word of God. So if you look with me in in chapter 2 and beginning in verse 42, we're going to see four things that I think are become very clear and apparent to us this morning. Four things that I believe will become very clear and apparent to us this morning. The first one is going to be this, is a hunger for the Word that we'll look at here in a moment. The second thing that we're going to see here is fellowship within community. What does that fellowship within community look like? The third thing we will see is gospel reflection and examination, making sure that we're a community of people that regularly reflect upon the cross of Jesus Christ. And then finally, we'll see this morning the need for prayerful expectation and obedience. Now, beginning here with the hunger for the word, we see in verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, when you look at it here, marks that of a healthy gathering of believers will be known by, we see first that there's going to be a hunger for the word of God. You know, we're blessed here at First Baptist Church. We're a church that takes seriously the word of God. We are serious about the preaching, the proclaiming, the teaching of God's word. You can trust that when you step into this room on a Sunday morning, whether it's Pastor Thurman or myself or someone else, we're going to dig into the truth. We're going to seek the Lord through his word. You look here in the early church, you know, they were listening to the apostles' teaching and then they were hungry to learn and to grow. There was a fervor and a hunger within them. You know, I look down a few more verses into to verse 43. It talks about all came upon every soul. You think about that word, all, what is it talking about? There is a, a fear, an alarm, a reverence, a respect. Do we have that kind of reverence and respect for the word of God in our life this morning? And I, here's how I think we'll tell it, because if we truly have that fear of the Lord, as we sit under his teaching, what is it going to lead to? It's going to lead to action. You know, because as we, even as we're doing right now in this room, studying God's word, it's not just supposed to be passively taken in. 
We're supposed to consume it. We need to be paying attention, but as we consume it, it should lead to action. You know, I was studying with the youth this past Wednesday night. We were looking at Psalm chapter 1, kind of a, a New Year's focus as we were looking at it, and what do we delight in? I love Psalm 1, 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We talked the other night about the importance of our position matters. If we're filling our lives with the things of the world, if we're actively struggling within sin and, and not seeking renewal, then it's not going to be surprising that we're going to have a, a very low tolerance for the word of God. Our attentiveness is going to be lacking. We're in our world today, there are tons of things to be distracted by. We know from entertainment to our jobs to our families, so easily we can begin to be lulled asleep to the, to the, by the world, which will then in turn do what? It'll make us be lulled to sleep when we encounter God's word. God's word is powerful. It's meant to lead to action, but as, we, as our devotion is wrong, it's gonna be hard to see that action actually come about. I love in Psalm 1 because it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. That word blessing there refers to happiness. Happy is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, but does what? Delights in the law of the Lord, meditates upon it daily. You know, Pastor Thurman challenged us last week about our Bible reading. New Year's, a great time to reflect upon that. Are you studying God's word in your life? Some of you may say, well, I do, casually. It's important, Pastor was talking last week, you need to have a plan. Do you have a plan of action to tackle God's word daily? Where you're, you're working through the scriptures, you're processing through it, you're seeking to apply it to your life. Because your Bible intake should not just be dwindled down to just what happens here on Sunday morning. What happens here on Sunday morning should make us hungry to get into, our, into God's word throughout the week. Hungry to look at what, did I, what we talked about in Sunday school today or what we talked about in worship today. How can I apply that? How can I maybe message somebody that I can challenge to, to pursue the Lord in a deeper way? I love, if you look in Acts chapter 2, going down into verse 37 at Peter's sermon at, at Pentecost, it says, as he preached, what was happening? It says there that when they heard what he was saying, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? When we sit and we study the word of God, when we sit under the teaching of God's word, is it cutting to the heart? Is it getting to the point where we're saying, I want to think about how I can act on this? Where we're going to people, hey, help me in this. Help me understand this. How do I apply this to my life? There was action that was happening. You see in verse 43, all was coming upon the people. They had a respect and a fear of God and there was an understanding of his holiness and that they're, they're like, we are not holy and he is. Is that present within us today? You know, God's word isn't to be met with passivity. God's word is rather to be met with obedience. But here's our action plan for some of us is we gotta get the clutter out of the way. Some of us in the room today, we got too much clutter. And the clutter is choking out our opportunity to grow and to be impactful in our walk with the Lord. You know, the word of God is, we, we gotta get kind of out of our head that it's some, 
self-help musings or, you know, something I turn to and, you know, I'm having a hard day. Let me just randomly flip into a page in the Bible and it's going to give me what I need. It's more than self-help musings mixed with spiritual experimentation to appease our feelings. It's more than that. You know, the word of God is inerrant. And when it is taught and it is studied, it is to be viewed as the absolute and inspired truth of God himself. What is it meant to do? It's meant to cut to the heart of sinful man like you and me and to do so with redemptive power to the magnification and the glory of God alone. So you see first, am I hungry for the word of God? That should be a mark of us. Am I hungry for it? Am I seeking to grow in him? Am I seeking to not just be someone who passively listens but actively obeys. Now here's the second thing we see. The second thing we see is fellowship within community. Fellowship within community. You see here it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching verse 42 and the fellowship. Now the second mark here of fellowship it really denotes here more you know some of us may look at fellowship and say well I have fellowship with people. I spend time with people here's what I want us to kind of break apart this morning. What are we doing with the time that we spend with others? Because the kind of fellowship that we look at here, it's, as you look in the original language, it was more contributory in nature. There was contribution. There was help and participation, partnership, contact, and intimacy. It wasn't casual acquaintances, kind of like we talked about earlier. These were deeper levels of relating. Now you wonder, well, why? Well, in this time, these people were being hard-pressed. As you continue to read through Acts, what was happening? There was, there was persecution. You don't look too far later, there's a guy named Stephen that gets stoned to death for saying what needed to be said, right? There were people getting thrown in jail. Persecution was doing what? It was breeding, breeding a community that was tight-knit, close together. They had to be, because why? Because some of them were losing everything. Losing families, losing jobs, losing opportunities. Why? Because they followed Christ. So we see here within this early community that made them tight-knit. They came close together to challenge, to, to introspection, for worship. A heart depicted by the, the writer of Hebrews who says in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We cannot neglect the gathering together just as we are doing today. This is unique coming out of COVID because what, is, what happened in COVID a couple years ago, we couldn't come together. And it's hard because for some it's developed some bad habits. You know, things such as streaming opportunities are great. They're great privileges that we can send these services out on a Sunday morning and people anywhere around the world could grab a hold of it and, and hear it and be impacted by it. But just sitting at home in our living rooms and partaking in something on a screen and saying, well, that's my community for this week, that's not enough. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there's some people that maybe have health issues or, or some struggles that prevent them from being able to come. And in those cases, you know, something such as a stream on, on the internet would probably, it's just the way it would have to be. But even in those cases, we as the church that know that person should come around them. Not neglecting anyone, not leaving anyone behind. Why? Because we want to stir one another up. And what are we stirring one another up to? To good works. 
to magnify the Lord, to advance his kingdom. Now, you see here within this community, there's some unique pieces that were present. If you go down into verse 44, it says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. What was the common pursuit? The common pursuit was Jesus Christ. And what did it lead to? It led to an impact on the way that their community functions. You look even down into verse 45 where it says, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. If somebody had a need, they met it. If somebody was kind of struggling or dead, and mind you, there were people that due to their following Christ, they were losing stuff. <laughs> Perhaps homes or family situations were falling apart. Their financial stability was, was shaken. So they would come together in order to help the needs of each other. They were taking care of each other. You see this a little bit further along in Acts chapter 4, verse 36 and 37, where Barnabas comes, and what does it say? It says he goes and sells a field that he has, and what does he do with the proceeds of it? He goes and drops it at the apostles' feet. He's like, hey, go and take and use it in whatever way you may. So these people were holding loosely the means of the world, and they were coming in tight-knit as a community. You know, we live in a society today, when you think about, well, how does this kind of apply to us? Many people in our society, we obsess over appearances. Oftentimes, we reject accountability. We hunger for possessions, and we thirst for comfort. We're a very individualistic society. And the way our society is molding and shaping regularly kind of feeds into that. We think about community and relationships, especially as you look into the younger generations. A lot of it is spent behind one of these. And it's referred to as community. Well, I'm talking to my friends on social media, or, you know, when in reality what's happening is you're sitting by yourself, looking at a screen that can't do anything in return for you, and looking at what everybody else says they're doing, or the beautiful life everybody else says they have, and all that makes you feel is, well, I don't feel good about myself. Look at what they have and I don't have. I don't feel like I measure up. And you're slowly just going down into this deeper and deeper pit of discouragement that can be seemingly overwhelming. But you know, the kind of community that we're talking about here that was present within the early church, that's the kind of community that we need to have here as a body today. We should desire to know each other. I mentioned at the beginning, we can't know every person in this room perfectly. But we should find people in, the, in this room that we're like, man, I wanna get to know that person. I wanna invest in a person. We have a beautiful church because we have generations, multi-generational church. That's cool. But think about the wealth of knowledge that we have within some of you older generations that could be dumped down into the younger generations, right? To be able to see growth that could come out of that, to see that kind of community and that help to, to help bring people along. You know, we're a very giving church. There's so many people in this room that I know who, when people have needs, they step up to the plate and say, yep, I will meet that need, very similar to like we're talking here. But you look at our culture as a whole right now. I was reading a statistic earlier. This was from Lifeway. The median churchgoer, this is the median. The median churchgoer gives 
$390 a a year to church and charity combined. That's for a 12-month period, $390. What does that show? That shows a society that is very much consumed with our own individualistic pursuits, our hobbies, our family experiences. And then if I have a little bit left over, I guess I can meet a need, right? That can't be. Like, and I look around a room like this, and here's the other thing. Financially speaking, when we look at the financial piece, even in that context there, there's many different layers to that. Some people have been blessed with a whole lot, and some people maybe don't have a whole lot. It's a heart thing. I don't want you to get that, oh, so they were contributing to the needs. Was this like a government program where, you know, everybody was required a certain amount? That's not what it is. That's not what we're talking about. It's not a government program. It's not an exaction. This is a challenge of the heart. Their joy was right within the Lord. As they were devoted to the teaching, it was leading to action within their life, which was leading to contribution amidst the community, and it was impactful. That's what we're talking about here, whether it be with your finances, because that stat I just read, that that should not be. That should not be. We should be more generous. We should look for opportunities to be more faithful within our giving. Or maybe it's your gifts. There's some incredibly gifted people in this room. That's the other thing. Some of us, we may hear a message like this today and say, I need to be bought in, but I don't think I really have any place to be bought into. Like, I don't know if I'm really talented or gifted in ways that could bring encouragement to the body. Well, no, there's many of us in here that have incredible gifts. You know what stirs up incredible gifts, though? It's the working of the Holy Spirit. You know what begins to stir that up more is when we function like a community. Because I can go and hang out with one of you and I can say, Man, you're really gifted at this. Like, you should serve and you should take this opportunity to be involved in this way in the local church. Or, hey, you know, I know another person in the church that you and him would just, they would hit it off. Y'all should get together and you should start investing in that person. So, the tight-knit community is going to breed what? It's going to breed a lot of that intentionality. But, if we sit back in our seats, and I'm guilty of it, you're guilty of it at times as well, If we sit back in our seats, we participate, or maybe more so spectate. You look up here, we want to be activating, not just spectating. If I just sit back and spectate, no good's going to come out of that. That's not what we're about here. It's not. We're about activating. We're about taking what we see and going and moving with it. True fellowship should show more in time spent across the table than across the pew. Now, hear hear me in this. I'm not saying that your time in the pew doesn't matter. Some people say, well, I don't need to be a part of a local church, and me being in the pew is not. No, you being in the pew and you participating in local body life, that's necessary. That's necessary. But it can't stop there. (laughs) You're sitting beside each other here should spill over into table life. That's how it works. You look down into the further along, into verse 46, it says... And day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Now, we're going to talk in a minute. That breaking bread involved communal meal. We'll talk here in the next point here in a moment about that involves the Lord's Supper as well, which where we see that reflection upon the cross. But they got together communally to spend time together, to share meals together. You know, the temple complex would not have been conducive for them to do that piece. So what would they would do? They would leave the temple complex. They would go into their homes 
and they would spend time across the table. Do you have people in your life that you're spending time across the table with? Now, I know some of you in here would be like, yeah, I do. I have great friends. We hang out a lot. Hanging out's great. But are you hanging out with a purpose? I love watching sports and stuff. I could say, well, I hang out and watch football with people. Great. (laughs) But do you hang out with people with the purpose of challenging and stirring each other up like we saw earlier in Hebrews chapter 10? Are you stirring one another up? There's an intentionality there. Is that relationship present? I'll be honest. Us as a society, we don't do good with depth-oriented relationships. You know why? Because they're scary. I know in a room this size, there's some of you, you've been hurt really bad by people. You've been hurt bad by people. And what do you do? Your mind says, well, if I put myself out there again, I'll probably just get hurt. That's the devil. (laughs) Because what does the devil want? He wants you to be removed from community. He doesn't want you to be transparent. He doesn't want you to to put yourself out there and and look for an opportunity to invest in somebody that needs to be invested in. He doesn't want us to look across the street at our neighbor who maybe doesn't have a relationship with Christ and say, I want to find a way to get in that person's life and invest in them. Because we're going to see evangelistic pursuits comes in this community as well. He wants us to be isolated. You know the quickest things that add to that? Bitterness. There's some of you in this room, you're bitter people. I've been there. I've been a bitter person, and it destroys you. Because you know what happens? Everything's bad. You're like Chicken Little. You know Chicken Little? The sky is falling. You can't see things through a great lens because everything's bad. Everything's bitter. That's why there's a lot, there's a lot of places that we could go here in Scripture that talk about don't allow those divisive things to be present because they pull people apart. Some of you may be in the room today, you're living divisively because you're allowing bitterness to rule. And it's robbing you of joy. It's got to stop. It can stop. And it's okay. You can put yourself out there. Will you potentially be hurt? People are imperfect. People are going to let you down. People are going to do things sometimes that aren't the best. But I guarantee you, when you do put, you're going to eventually find some people you can run with. And it'll be rewarding. And it'll uplift the body which is what we're shooting for there. Activate or respect it. Here's the third thing, is gospel reflection and examination. So we saw they devoted themselves to the teaching, the fellowship, and then we see here to the breaking of bread. Now, we just talked about table talk, like the communal meal that people would spend together, and they did that. But I think when you look here in verse 42, I, I really feel as if what it's talking about here is a little bit, yes, the communal meal, but, but also the observance of the Lord's Supper. Now, when you think about that, this step further, this referencing of the Lord's Supper, you think about the, the, the apostles, they took seriously the command of Christ, which was, do this in remembrance of me. And what's the purpose of it? The purpose of partaking in the Lord's Supper, one, it's for believers. It's not just some casual meal that anybody off the street can come in and say, well, I'll take the, I'll take the juice and I'll take the bread. No, it's, it's meant to be for believers. And what is the purpose of it? Is it just some religious ritual? No, it is meant to lead to reflection and examination. And it's meant to be done communally. Okay? Interesting, again, coming out of COVID, you see these individualistic kind of things beginning to come into the, you know, people saying, well, I take communion at home, you know, with my family. Now, don't get me wrong again. There's some people that could be in a nursing home and they're not able to gather and 
I, I believe that it's, it's completely fine for someone that's not able to be here to have a minister come and perhaps be with them as they partake within communion. But testimony in that. What are we test, testifying in those moments? What Christ accomplished. We're reflecting upon what Jesus Christ accomplished for us because we're not here by works. If you step into this like a social club or a check off the list, you're in the wrong place. We're here based upon Christ and based upon what Christ accomplished. That's what, that's what we're about, right? And you see that communal dynamic come. Now, I was studying, this was interesting, I was looking at 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul was writing and he was dealing with the church and they were getting out of whack in the way that they partook communion. They were making it more common. It was mixing kind of more with the common meals and he was like, Eat your meals at home, but come together to reflect. Come together at the table, right? There's power in that. You know, this is something that we do pretty often here at our churches is taking part in communion, the breaking of the bread. And what are we doing in that? It can be hard. You might just think, well, I just, that's just something I do. Well, when we do it, we reflect. We're like, man, I'm reflecting on the cross. Jesus gave of himself for me. His blood was spilt for me. I can remember the fact that he is now alive. He paid the price that I deserved. You look here. The less, though, we worshipfully reflect, the harder it becomes to actively delight. Big piece of our community here as a church body is to reflect upon the sufficiency of the Savior. He is what gives us strength. He is the one who's enough. Here's the fourth and final point that we see here is prayerful expectation and obedience. It says in the final part, the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now we know from later verses here, Acts 2.46 and 3.1, that they were still participating in the more formal hours of prayer amidst the temple. Yet these prayer routines were venturing outside of those structured times and into concerted efforts amidst these gatherings of people to be glorifying to God with their life. I love in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, and then verse 31, where it talks about they're facing the, the persecution, and they weren't superhuman. They, they felt fear too. It was heavy weights that they were experiencing. And what does it say that they did? They went to the Lord in prayer. They said, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So their gathering got together and said, God, let us be bold. Let us be bold. And what did do? What, what happened? Like God gave them boldness. It says the room was shaken. All these things that are happening here, let's just get this out there the devotion to the, to the word, the devotion to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, prayer. The stimulant in all of this is not flesh. It's not the efforts of man. The stimulant was the Holy Spirit was moving in that, those places. It was moving in those, those lives because they were devoted to the right stuff. Which leads us to ask, well, is that kind of stimulant present within my life? Am I dying to the flesh and living my life by the Spirit? So many of us today, we're almost overly critical of how the Holy Spirit moves and works, right? We get to the point, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about the validity of this. No, we should say, God, just 
pour out your spirit upon me. Use me in whatever way that you may use me. Help me to be bold. And when we pray here, prayer is not just segmented to only physical needs. I can pray for my my hurt foot, or I can pray for someone that's suffering illness. We should take those cares before the Lord. But if that's the extent, we're selling ourselves short, and we're really not being obedient. You look here, we want to pray evangelistically. We want to pray missionally and expectantly, asking God, please work in me. Use me for your glory. So we see here, in closing, the four things to be devoted to. We saw first this morning the need for the hunger for God's word. We saw that we want to have fellowship within community. We saw the need for gospel reflection and examination. We saw the need for prayerful expectation and obedience. You know, I was thinking back to the original illustration. All that running we did in those tryouts back in high school. Now, I know some of you probably either are athletes or at one point in your life was an incredible athlete in this room. Um, thing about athletics is how many of you have ever caught a cramp while playing sports? You ever caught a cramp? I don't know why, but I'm known to it. I, I catch them, I've caught them in the worst of the hamstrings. You ever caught a hamstring cramp? It's like somebody's digging a knife right into your hand. It hurts, man. And I've got, you ever get in a, a cramp like that at night? You're sleeping and it wakes you up? Brittany will tell you, I'll jump out of bed and my legs will go straight like this. But what am I doing? I'm trying to stretch that cramp out. It's painful, incredibly painful. Now, why do you get cramps? Overuse, perhaps, dehydration, strain, perhaps even holding a position too long. You got to hydrate and you got to stretch and you got to engage. So so here's the the deal to kind of close us out this morning. Some of us are very cramped, (laughs) very much so. We're dragging our way through life. We're feeling those, those pains. And here's some of it is we've been holding a position too long. And you know what the position is? It's sitting still. Not acting. Not being prayerful. Missionally prayerful. Not reflecting upon the sufficiency of the Savior together enough individually. Not being a tight-knit community, not being serious about the word of God, like being in awe, like I am understanding the holiness of God and how I am unholy in my flesh, right? Some of us have been stuck in that position too long. Some of us, it's time, you, you gotta stretch. You gotta stretch. You might be like, well, how do I stretch? I don't know how to do all that. Well, you might be like, I don't even know how I would get involved in the church I look back to that illustration at the beginning. I was not the most gifted athlete. I wasn't the best basketball player on the team. And my senior year, I wanted to quit. I went to my coach crying, saying, Coach, I don't think I want to play. But he empowered me. He said, no, you got a place on this team. You have a position. I want you to be a leader. I got to be a captain on that team. I didn't play a lot, but I was a captain. I was a leader on that team. Some of you need to be pushed out this morning and say, you got a place. Now, it could be one of a few things. One, maybe this morning you need to join the local church. There's several of you. Maybe you've been visiting here for a long time. Maybe you've been kind of trying to figure things out. We want to call you this morning to join our local church. Come alongside of us in being committed to magnifying Christ within our community and around the world. Some of you in here today, you're a member, 
but you're like the sponge that's been sitting and souring and it's starting to stink. <laughs> we need to squeeze it out, right? And you know what? When it sits and sours, what do you become? You become the bitter person. You become the person that wants to, to point out all the flaws but is not ready to jump to action. Perhaps this morning, you just need somebody to give you some encouragement. And that's what God's word did to us this morning. It says, here's some encouragement of what you should be devoted to so that we can be about this thing of magnifying him within our life. The reality is, if you commit to this kind of devotion, if you're serious about being hungry for God's word, you're serious about putting yourself out there in community, it can be intimidating, it can be scary. If you're serious about, I want to live a lifestyle that reflects upon the cross. If you're serious about being really prayerful, I'm just going to tell you straightforward, it's going to be very uncomfortable for you. Very. It's going to really be uncomfortable. Let's just put it out there. But that's going to put you at a fork in the road because it may make you very uncomfortable, but the kingdom reward is so worth it. So worth it. So worth it. When we start feeling uncomfortable, something's probably going right. When we start feeling too comfortable, you need somebody to come and dump water on your head and, and wake you up, right? So that's my prayer this morning. My prayer is that the water maybe has been dumped on us a little bit where we say, this is the year I want to be devoted to being active in body life at First Baptist Church of Suffolk. I want to take seriously God's word. I want to be really prayerful. I want to be intentional within my life. I'm going to pray for us. After I pray, Luke will come up and sing. Pastor Thurman will be down here at the front. I'm up here as well. Um, some of you need to move this morning, and you just need to act. You need to maybe, maybe it is like you need to come and say, I just need prayer. I've got to be more serious. I've been, I've been lackadaisical. Some of you in the here this morning, you're the bitter person. You're the person that's becoming more a part of the problem than fixing the problem. Maybe you need to come repent of that. We need to be serious and together. And it's a beautiful thing when it happens because then you get to experience the verse 30, the verse uh, 40, uh, 39 and verse 47, right? Where it's like, man, growth happened. Multiplication happened. That's what we desire here as a body. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for today. Thank you that we got to gather. Thank you for your word. You are faithful and sufficient. Um, we are so insufficient and imperfect, but our sufficiency is found in you. We reflect in these moments upon your worthiness. And we pray that your holiness, O oh God, would shine forth through us. I pray for the person in the room that needs to respond this morning. Maybe it's to join this church and commit to being a part of this body. Maybe it's somebody that has been, has been sour, has not been active, and they just realized this morning, man, I gotta repent. That cutting to the heart has been happening and you've been leading them to, and I pray that you would lead them to repent and walk in obedience. I pray for people to be in in rich community, Lord, maybe in the next week that you would lead somebody to text somebody else in this room and say, hey, I want to get together. I just need community. I need to be challenged in the truth. Bring that kind of stuff about within us, Lord, I pray. We pray these things in your name. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. 
Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. 